This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. take a walk on the wild side get your saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous cd do you know who i am i don't know how to put this but i'm kind of a big deal on 103.7 the game hey welcome everybody to under the dome with cd right here in acadiana sports station 103.7 the game and 1037thegame.com. Hope you're having a good one on this Louisiana Saturday morning. An ice-cold Louisiana Saturday morning. I had to wear three different long sleeve shirts, jackets. My goodness, it is CD three layers up in this piece. My job, I've had to take some of them off because it gets a little warm inside. The first South Farm Credit Studios where we're coming to you live from. Baby, we're looking good. Woo! And hopefully you're listening in. On this Saturday, appreciate you however you're doing, so be it through that Tower of Power, too sweet to be sour, the FM dial. The Tower of Power, too sweet to be sour, I'm funky like a monkey, sky's the limit and space is the place. Oh yeah, and hopefully you're having a good one so far, especially if you're listening through the free mobile app, smart speakers, Amazon Echo, Google Home. If you haven't updated your Amazon Alexa skill, make sure you go do so right about now that we can enjoy the show in all of its glory. And guess what? The Twin Peaks hotline is wide open for the whole two hours today from 11 to 1, leading you up to tip-off between LSU and the Tennessee Volunteers. Tennessee currently ranked 16th in the entire darn country. So hopefully you're getting ready for that. We've also got Cages basketball. They're looking to get back on top tonight when they take on UL Monroe, trying to get back in the win column, a three-game losing skid. It's been Pabon. Hopefully they can get back into the winning ways of things. But right now, we need to get down to brass tacks and get down to what's causing all this on this cold, frigid Louisiana Saturday morning. And I'm in a good mood today. It's not necessarily me ranting and raving like some other ones, but you'll love it nonetheless. Because it is, like we do every Saturday, your Saturday Sports Sermon. The famous CD is on his soapbox to start your Saturday. It's time for your Saturday Sports Sermon. In a world before Under the Dome with CD started, hell, before the producers really became a thing, technically, like I'd say once we kind of change into what we were before the show wound up going the way of the dodo bird, the world of football was a veritable wasteland after the first Saturday, Sunday in February. That first Sunday in February signified the end of the road until we got to the month of August. We got to preseason football in the NFL. The conversation starts to shift over to college baseball on the road to March Madness for me. Some might think differently, but once the Saints lose in the postseason and the Super Bowl is over, my mind immediately shifts over to the baseball diamond. It's been a little bit different this year because it feels like I've been in a complete haze since the pandemic. But I'm still looking forward to seeing the Cajuns and Tigers open up the season about six days' time. The fact they're playing each other in the second 
full week, uh, the first full week of the season, I should say. That's really cool, nonetheless. But there's still plenty of meat left on that proverbial pigskin, and that's the FCS FCS ranks beginning spring football today. Yes, there are some teams that have just said they're going to opt out and wait for the fall of 2021, and you got to respect that decision from them because it's their decision. They can do what they want. It's their thing. That being said, I've got to say I'm excited for some FCS football. More specifically, I'm excited for guys like Frank Wilson, like Tim Rebo, two people I've had on this show in the past to promote their programs because they damn well deserve all the love they're getting and have been getting, if not more. FCS not playing in the spring made complete sense at the end of the day. Uh, in the fall, excuse me. This is not like the FCS level where the economic blow, at least somewhat, at least somewhat, keyword there, was softened by TV deals. And look at teams like the Cages. They were able to get some better opponents across the board. So hopefully they're able to get things off and running. Without fans in the stands, there was a slim chance for survival when it comes to these FCS programs. So it's best for these guys to kind of shoot for a shortened season this spring of 21 and just punt things over and return to business this coming fall when things could be back to some, keyword some, form of normalcy. I'm not, not necessarily sure, but I'm just going to say I'm hoping and I'm optimistic as I'll get out things will return to some form of normalcy in the fall of 2021. I'm genuinely excited that we get some form of competitive football once again. The fact that that in the last couple of years we had certain leagues fold up shop, the AAF and the XFL, the first real sports casualty of the pandemic. Thank you, COVID, for ruining the XFL. 2022, you get your third chance. I think they're going to do a lot better than the rocks behind it, so I'm always going to be pulling for that. And today we get the opportunity to have the lower level of football really take center stage when most years they're relegated to being the proverbial curtain jerkers for the big boys of the FBS level. Think about it. I mean, even in 2021, you're going to have McNeese State play LSU at one point. You're going to have different programs across this great country virus play the FCS, the lower-level schools, kind of setting things up for the future, moving towards that next step. And now we're seeing these players actually have an opportunity to play in a 2020 season. I'm going to use air quotes here because obviously it's 2021, but it'll be more... Just a shortened version, conference only. Really awesome stuff for them. And it's just wild to think that a year ago, I had a conversation with Frank Wilson after he took the job at Pink D State and talking about his first game against Billy Napier and the Raging Cajuns. Obviously, that game did not happen. Would have been a hell of a lot of fun. But maybe we'll get that matchup again down the road. But now he's about to start a season after the most hellacious fall probably any program that I can think of off top has had to deal with ever. Think about it. You've got billion, You've got a pandemic that's hurt at everybody, so it's a level playing field from that aspect. But what coach has ever had to deal with not one, but two of the most devastating hurricanes hitting kind of the area where Lake Charles, the Acadiana area, is at large? Having this season is a miracle in and of itself. And it's wild because I sit here every time and just look back at where we were a year ago. We were getting ready for just so much cool stuff to happen in 2020. And everything's kind of got canceled. Things got postponed. Things got moved around to make sure we could actually have a 2020 football season. 
And we did. We got to the end of the road. And we've seen over the last several months, football has been great. It may not be always the best in the world, but I tell you what, it's way better than the alternative of no football at all. What I've seen from a lot of levels of football, all of them, except for the FCS level, which is starting today, the fact that we get this laid at our feet, it's amazing. Because we saw all levels of football at this point in time reach their end game, which was a challenge in and of itself. But the FCS is ready to do that. And again, I'm happy. I'm probably over the moon. A lot like those guys are. The the diehard fan base of the Beginning State Cowboys, Nickel State, Northwestern State, the Graham fam, Southern Jags, Southeastern Louisiana. The list can go on and on about FCS programs. I'm going to go ahead and stick to the ones more in the boot. They're all getting started in 2020. They're getting started with their 2021 season. And it's their time to shine. I'm looking forward to seeing how they're going to do because if 2020 was any indication, the boot is more than ready to shine once again on the gridiron. So I'm, I'm amped up because of two reasons. One, it's football with actual stakes to it. There's something there that I'm looking forward to. It's the fact that we, and also the fact that we have something to have in that spot on a Saturday this week. Will I keep tabs on FCS football throughout this shortened season? Of course. Will I bring it up on the show? Probably. But at the end of the day, I've got college baseball coming up next week. College softball. Hopefully the Cajuns can get started. Is the Cajun softball team because of this giant freeze that we're having? Hopefully you're warming up. Listen to this great sports talk that we got going on right now. But we're down to the brass tacks of what's causing all this on a Louisiana Saturday morning. And the FCS is back. It's a great thing. Because we get to see these guys have an opportunity to play. Because it sucked to see Frank Wilson have to sit on the sidelines and not have an opportunity to coach this team. And then you have the Hurricanes hit. Late in September and October. We saw those hit and hit hard, especially around that area. So Frank Wilson, Tim Rebo, all those guys. I know some of them start next week. And McNeese State is kind of kicking things off, if you will, amongst the Louisiana schools. I'm happy for y'all. Every one of y'all. Enjoy this ride. Because it's a wild one. And hopefully in 2021, we can all get back together. And watch our favorite teams, be it FBS, FCS, high school, NFL, XFL, CFL. We can have everybody come together and have a congregation on a Saturday afternoon and enjoy the greatness that is football. All right, it's under the dome with CD. Hopefully you have a great Saturday. Be it, you know, you're sipping that second cup of coffee, maybe you have a long Saturday ahead of you, or you're popping that first top of that cold pop. Hopefully you're enjoying yourself nonetheless. we got a great show for you. Make sure you keep it locked right here. And more importantly, the Twin Peaks Hotline is open the entire darn show. We want your thoughts. If you're looking forward to FCS football, if you're looking forward, what you're looking forward to this weekend, because there's a lot of things. It's like, yes, the Super Bowl is over, but there seems to be just so much more going on. The Daytona 500s this weekend. I'm probably going to catch a little bit of that. You've got 
Obviously, UFC 258, so much stuff to get to. I'm going to talk about that as well towards the end of the hour. J.J. Watt, he is broken out. We'll talk about that next and so much more. So make sure you keep it locked right here on Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Back after this. Under the Dome with CD is a show for all the degenerates out there. You make your rules and we will break them. Let's get back to the famous CD who will break it all down for us. I'm excited and looking forward to a new opportunity and I've been working extremely hard but at the same time it is it is always tough to move on. I just want you guys to know that I love you. I appreciate you. I appreciate the McNair family for giving me uh, drafting me and giving me my first opportunity in the NFL. Thank you, Houston. I love you. I want to break free. I want to break free. I want to break free from your lies. You're so self-satisfied. I don't need you. I've got to break free. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. We got to break free, and that's what J.J. Watt did yesterday. He finally broke free from the shackles that were the Houston Texans. Yet another brick in the wall that is really falling apart when it comes right down to it. Welcome back to Under the Dome, by the way. 337-706-0111 is the number to dial if you want to get in on the conversation about anything. You know, we got the phone lines wide open. You can talk about whatever you want. We got tons of time and tons of fun to get to. But first things first, we got to talk about the Texans. Because the Houston Texans got rid of J.J. Watt after he requested his release outright. That's incredibly nuts to think about somebody actually wanting out of Houston. Just kidding. Because Houston has been an absolute dumpster fire over the last, let's say, couple months, if not year. The calendar year for the Houston sports world has not been great on the whole because let's, let's, let's just take it back a year, about early January, mid-January, when the Houston Texans took on the Kansas City Chiefs in the division round. They took control of that ball game. They were up by double digits and then some. It looked like we were going to see the Titans and the Texans for the AFC title game, one of the handful of times we've ever seen two divisional foes square off for the AFC title in a spot in the Super Bowl. Lo and behold, the Kansas City Chiefs pulled the win out of their backside. I think we started, we've started to realize since that team, you know, the the Kansas City Chiefs have a tendency to kind of go behind early, especially in big ball games like the postseason. We'll talk about the Super Bowl maybe a little bit later. But look at how much has changed since that game. Just in the terms of Houston, Texas sports. We have that. I think a little bit before that, we had the whole sign-stealing scandal reach its magnum opus where you had A.J. Hinch and Jeff Lunau both get fired. Justifiably so. Now Hinch is manning to the Detroit Baseball Tigers. That should be intriguing in and of itself. But you saw that happen. Then you saw during the offseason Bill O'Brien be able to take complete and utter control of this franchise. And he took over control of the franchise and was the leader in terms of the coach and the general manager. So he's making all the executive decisions. And then next thing you know, Nuke Hopkins 
one of the best wide receivers in the game today, was gone, ejected, and no longer part of a franchise. He's no longer going to be there. He's going to be a sinking ship, if you will. And it really was a sinking ship inside the world that is the NFL. From from that point on, they gave up. Deshaun Watson did not have his guy. had a bunch of jabrones he was throwing to. Then they wound up being 4-12. and So we go from being probably a half away from winning, a getting a spot in the AFC title game with Deshaun Watson, New Hopkins, all these talents that you have, and you let that talent go, go over to the Arizona Cardinals and was doing really good things. At the end of the day, you know, he won the breakup. So I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen with that guy. But New Hopkins over in Arizona. And then yesterday, we get J.J. Watt. We got to kind of rewind a little bit. Eventually, Bill O'Brien finally got fired. Finally got fired as coach and GM. So now you got to find not only a GM, but a head coach. And here comes the real problem in all this. I've talked about it before. And at the end of the day, it is Jack Easterby, who has very much been a jackass in the sports world in Houston, Texas. I think I could say that unequivocally. He's been the worst thing to happen to Houston sports since the science ceiling scandal. He's been the worst thing ever because he continues to try and ease the invisible hand. If you watch AEW the last few weeks, you know what I'm talking about with the invisible hand, Don Callis. He is the invisible hand that's been moving these pieces around, and it's absolutely disgusting that he has basically forged a relationship with Cal McNair to be able to keep that job in Houston. They hire a GM, Nick Casario, who is a Patriots front front office cat. Jack Easterby came from the Patriots front office, so that's his call. He had that guy in his back pocket, and they let him, keyword, let him be that guy. They let him in and just said, hey, go ahead, do your thing, baby, and We're going to let you pick the new GM, the next head coach, coming up down the road. It's disgusting to see that. And then David Culley seems like a great guy. Looking forward to seeing what he can do. I mean, he was a receiver. He was a coach back in the day, an assistant for the Cajuns back in the 80s. Back when Brian Mitchell, B. Mitch, we had him on a few weeks ago on Ben's show. That made me really question. I'm like, he seems like he's a good, good guy. But is he just a fall guy? It's a question I've been thinking about the last few weeks. Is David Culley one of the fall guys to where if things go south, he's the guy that they're going to cut his legs out from underneath them? I hope not. Because that would be another bad look for a franchise that has had a series of bad looks. That's not even counting what's going on with the Houston Texans. Or Rockets, I should say. Because the Rockets have been a mess ever since preseason. Preseason was a mess. And now they got rid of James Harden, and they're actually not like horrible. They're not god awful, but they're not great. So for me, I can say right here, right now, that Houston may be the worst sports town right now. Bottom line. Because you've got a joke of a football franchise, a basketball franchise that has been very much embroiled in just like idiocy, and then you have 
the Houston Astros, where you don't quite know what's all going to happen. I'm hopefully, I'm hoping that the Astros are going to be really good. There's some questions with starting rotation. They had some of the good depth at bullpen, but losing George Springer is a huge hit. I don't think you can make up for the fact that that guy absolutely had everything going for him. So I'm hoping we see things change in the not-too-distant future for those Houston Astros, and they continue to grow. I hope they make the playoffs, but it feels like that may be a bridge too far. I don't think we see it. Simply because of the fact that you have an opportunity to really make some hay in other ways. I'm intrigued. Color me intrigued by what the Astros are going to do. The Texans, as far as I'm concerned, they need to get rid of Deshaun Watson right now, today. Show him the goodwill that you showed J.J. Watt, who absolutely deserves all the goodwill. He paid for everything. You know, he earned this. Being there for a decade, working his ass off, and being a man of the people. Ben made this analogy yesterday on his show, Bumper to Bumper Sports with Ben Love, which you can listen to from 4 to 7 right here on 103.7 The Game. I produce the show. And Ben mentioned this to me, and i got to agree with him, almost 120% that J.J. Watt is what Drew Brees is in New Orleans. J.J. Watt is that Houston. J.J. Watt was a Walter Payton Man of the Year not long ago. He earned a lot of goodwill in the community with that franchise as being a guy who absolutely is amazing both on and off the field. I think everybody is saying, hey, you know, whenever James Harden left, I don't I hadn't seen any of these, but who knows? Maybe there were videos of people burning the Harden jersey in effigy. We see it all the time with certain players from certain franchises and players who have that mentality of, oh yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and chase a ring like a James Harden. Who knows? I mean, Anthony Davis, too. There's a distinct fan base that I think is sitting there over in H-Town and is pretty much saying, hey, we love what you're doing right now. We love what you're putting together right now today. We want to see what you do with whatever franchise you're with. You're leaving. It sucks. But at the end of the day, we got to respect it because we respect you enough to want to see you succeed because you weren't going to be succeeding at any time ever with this franchise in the current state that it is in. Because, let's face it, the Texans are a mess. Whatever you had with the Houston, with the Cleveland Browns about, let's say, half a decade ago, that's this team now. They are the definition of the factory of sadness. Factory of sadness is the Houston Texans in 2021. The the other side of things is where does J.J. Watt go? Honestly, I think the most intriguing spots are Pittsburgh, Green Bay. I, it's maybe I'm blind to all this. Maybe somebody can explain to me, tell me different. Three three seven seven zero six zero one one one. Maybe somebody could tell me something different when it comes to the J.J. Watt situation. I don't think he's a guy that's going to be chasing a ring. There's a different situation in all this. He is out because he knew that this team was going to suck this year. He is in his 10th year in the league. He's been playing for a decade. He's only got so many years left on his bump card as a defensive end. He's been played with injuries in the past, 
but he wants to have that one more run. But I don't think he wants to just immediately go to the best team in the league, like the Kansas City Chiefs or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He doesn't want to go that way because I think that's not his legacy. I think in my mind, J.J. Watt could be a Hall of Famer, a fringe Hall of Fame candidate because of what he's been able to do both on and off the field. He's been that kind of guy. The real question is, how does he stack up to some of his other contemporaries? The big question, everybody talks about it. The whole, oh, he doesn't have the rings. He doesn't have this. He doesn't have that. You know, I think he could be a guy that gets in towards that last couple chances. Like an Alan Fanica. Alan Fanica, probably one of the better deep offensive linemen I've seen in a long time in the league. It took him a long, long time to be able to get in that spot. A lot of it has to do with the fact that the offensive line position isn't as sexy. I'll admit it right here, right now. I love offensive line because I think it's the most important position outside of quarterback. I'll tell you what. And I think I can give you prime examples. Go look at the Giants post-Super Bowl number 2 with Eli Manning. That offensive line after that completely fell apart. Eli Manning's career was largely shortened because of that. Because he probably could have played at least three or four more years if his offensive line wasn't there absolutely falling apart in the seams every single game. That offensive line, every time I saw highlights on NFL Live or SportsCenter back before I did sports radio, I would see highlights of Eli Manning getting obliterated, getting destroyed. Offensive line is probably the most important position because it protects your quarterback. And if you have a really good one, you can wind up doing a lot of different things. And look at what happened in the Super Bowl. The offensive line was trashed for the Kansas City Chiefs due to injury, ravaged by injuries. And they looked like garbage. And you had Pat Mahomes pulling his best friend, Tarkenton impression, running around in circles like a chicken with his head cut off. That's the most important position. Quarterback is really up there, but I think it's a 1A, 1B type thing. At least for me. Maybe I'm completely wrong here. But hopefully, we can get to see Deshaun Watson move somewhere else down the road. It just depends on if somebody's going to be willing to pay up the King's ransom that they're giving him. I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen with this because there's so many people that are probably be involved in this. But again, and somebody can tell me I'm wrong on this because I don't think I'm wrong at all on this. I legitimately think that the J.J. Watt deal will go to Pittsburgh or Green Bay, two teams that definitely could you have a chance to get a ring, but it's not predestined like everybody's thinking with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think he has a chance to be able to do something with those franchises. And he has those ties. I would love to see that, to be honest with you. See TJ, DJ, and JJ all on the same team. Have the entire Watt family be in Pittsburgh. And JJ signs a one-year deal. So say, I'm here for one year. I'm going to play this year. And then I'm done because, hey, my body's not exactly as great as it once was. After this, I'll hang it up. I want to play with my brothers for one season only. And then he helps bring this team and puts them on a really good run because I think that's what was missing from this team last year was cohesiveness, at least on the defensive side. Ben Roethlisberger looked damn good after his whole like mess of a year in 2019 
2020, he looked much better. I think that they are a true contender. I think we'll go to a contender, but won't be going to do what Trevor Bauer did and go rain chasing it. That's at least my opinion. If you got a different one, 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. We'll be back after this on Acadiana Sports Station 1037 The Game at 1037thegame.com. Famous CD is a five-tool player of sports talk. He can talk about a lot of different things, even some soccer. Fuel Manchester United, suppose. Sing the Manchester United song. Okay, maybe not soccer. Back to Under the Dome on 103.7 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station 103.7 The Game at 103.7thegame.com. And some soccer I could definitely get into. Not necessarily, I, again, I think it's just the fact that I'm much more 100% focused on football, especially during football season. So soccer kind of kind of falls a little bit to the wayside for me once football season does start. But I've been keeping tabs on it. And Man United, not half bad. They had a really slow start. But right now they're 13-4-6, and six, six draws, but currently just third place right now. So they're looking good to be able to... I mean, they're, they're well away from being a team going to be in relegation. And they definitely won't be promoted, but they're going to be set up to be potentially in the Champions League group stage. So that's huge. But now we're going to go out to the Twin Peaks hotline. Let's see where this conversation is going to go. Hello, you're on Under the Dome with CD. Hey, Twin, it's Ralph. Well, hey, Ralph, what's uh, up, brother? I don't, uh, hey, buddy, I, I'm not sure if I, I've caught Lewis, the last part of Lewis's uh, um, show and I couldn't really call in then, so I'm not sure if he had covered these or not. But when he was talking about sports names and and uh, and Valentine's Day, um, I immediately went back to my wrestling days and, and thought of uh, of Greg the Hammer Valentine. Um, and and also for those who are not quite so lucky in love, the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. So I, I, <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. I like it a lot, Ralph. Truth, I so well, I'll bring I, I'll bring up a story on him, uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine in a minute, but go on. Yeah, no, I want to tell you, you're not going to believe it, but, and this, uh, you, this dates how old I am, but back in the day, um, and I, I don't remember which federation it was because I know by then Mid-South had merged with, uh, or become uh, part of uh, UCW, so it might have been that. UWF? But, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but they used to have uh, wrestling at, at, the, at the Hyman Center, and um, and I saw Shawn Michaels' very first match uh, ever. He was just, I mean, when I'm talking about a baby-faced kid, he looked like he's about 16, and he couldn't have weighed more than 150 pounds at, at that time. He was so small, um, and he got crushed by, I don't remember who, you know, but but, uh, but after he was just, you know, kind of sitting, you know, by himself, just kind of, you know, I was like, I just told my buddy, I said, man, that guy can't be a pro wrestler. And then, you know, the next thing you know, Ten years later, he's one of the biggest names in the sport. So, just uh, just you know, just a little nostalgia there, I guess. Uh, and of course, brother love too. From, I was about to, the- I was about to say that. You know, like I was waiting for that to come out of your mouth. Go on. Yeah, a, I mean, you got you to give it to Russell. Has got some good, uh, good Valentine references there, man. Um, so anyway, I just want to throw that out. And I want to get your opinion too, Clint, on. 
of what you know. I don't think it would happen, obviously. But but uh, I tell you what, I, I would you know with, with Russell Wilson being you know kind of kind of throwing the things uh, out there in Seattle, and uh, uh, there was some talk. Uh, Brandon uh, Marshall mentioned the Saints as one of five teams that he'd be that uh, Russell Wilson would be a, a good fit and interested in going to and. With Chris Richard now uh, on the Saints team, albeit in the secondary, but you know with the, the Seattle connections there, I just wanted to to get your opinion. If we could get Russell Wilson for the for the right price, you know, what what would you be willing to give up for him as, as a Saints fan? And I'll hang up and listen, Clint. Have a good Valentine's Day. Have a great weekend, man, and stay safe. All right, Ralph. I definitely will appreciate you bringing up all all the all the Valentine's Day names. I'll get to my Greg the Hammer Valentine story in a little bit because I met him a few years ago. But I'm actually, like, you bring that up about Shawn Michaels. It probably was Mid-South because, again, this is just referencing cagematch.net, which has, like, a archive of every single match that a superstar has been a part of. This dates back at least for Shawn Michaels. 1984, I believe, was his first match. According to, again, according to Cage Match, because I wasn't born in 1984. I was born in 89, so I was like, I was but a gleam in my dad's eye at that time. But his first match, according to this, was Art Cruz beating him. He did. Michaels did the job. That's crazy thing about Michaels doing the job, period, in Lake Chuck at the Civic Center. I've not seen much on the Hyman Performing Arts, and I know one of the first matches Stone Cold did was against the legendary weight Frogman LeBlanc. But going back to your question, Ralph, you got me on a tangent about wrestling. You know I have a Cajun Strong Style podcast, which will drop on Monday, recapping NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day, Impact Wrestling's Against All Odds, which is going to be really cool, the Triple Threat Revolver match, so I really want to see. That being said, I'm going to go ahead and level with you. Russell Wilson's a damn good player, but I'm not necessarily sure I would want to have him on my team if I had to give up a lot. Because think at the end of the day, the entire debate about getting Russell Wilson. I don't think you need him. I just don't think you need him to be that guy. Now when it comes to the question of who would be your guy, Clint, who would be that guy that you'd want to trade for? Honestly, I don't want to trade for anybody. I People will know this because if, if you listen to me long enough, I've been very anti-Jameis Winston. This has been a very anti-Jameis Winston household since before I started working here. A lot of it to do with his off-the-field antics. Came over from Florida State. Just felt like a complete, like, a-hole. Let's just go ahead and say that. He felt like that. He's part of my team now. And I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm giving him a chance. Giving him a chance. If he fails, he's done. I will, I will deride the cat until there is no wheels left on the, on the proverbial wagon. I'm giving him that honest to God chance to be that guy. And if you say one thing, and do another, when it comes right down to it, I I don't know where you're gonna go, what you're gonna do next. Because with all due respect. This team, the Saints, I think are actually going to work well with Jameis Winston as the quarterback. I don't think you need to trade for Russell Wilson. Now, if Russell Wilson comes at you on the cheap and they say, hey, you know, just give us, you know, your such and such pick this year and next year, 
and you'll get Russell Wilson. You don't have to really give him anything. Maybe you give him Jameis Winston and a first-round pick in this year next year's draft. I don't know if that would be the price, but if I were an NFL team, I'm wanting a supplemental a pick from a quarterback. I want a quarterback and a quarterback to be involved in that trade in some form or fashion because I don't want to be left with my pants down and not have a quarterback ready to go in, be it in free agency or the draft because I'm sure there's going to be some guys in the draft that the Seahawks could wind up getting. I just feel like the price is going to be a little bit too much. Now, of course, as the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase, to keep the Mid-South and old-school wrestling talk going for a minute, I think there's so much going on with... it's like Everybody's got a price, but I feel like the price is too much for the Saints because of the fact that basically you got Jameis Winston, relatively speaking, on the cheap. If you can get Jameis Winston to come back, the conversation changes. I just don't think that there's going to be a lot of teams that be willing to give up as much as the, the Seahawks are going to want. Probably, I think what I think what the Seahawks should do is start trading off other pieces to get better pieces on the offensive line because that's what Russell Wilson needs. I talked about the offensive line five minutes ago. Five minutes ago. The offensive line for the Seahawks has been trashed for the last several years. It's another reason why I think the Max Unger trade for Jimmy Graham back in like 2015 may be the best trade that the Saints have done in the last decade. Because you got rid of a malcontented Jimmy Graham and you got a really good offensive line piece, a stalwart, that really helped build the foundation for a damn strong offensive line in the 2015-16, it's starting to build. And in 2017, you finally were able to get some veteran, get some experienced guys in there. Andrus P was able to get experience. And look, he looks good. You were able to have that Max Unger piece. And that made your offensive line so much better. I appreciate Ralph bringing up Russ Wilson, but I'm like, I just don't see Russell Wilson fitting in this piece. I think he would be good. But I think at the same time, you've got another guy that you already have told outright. It's like, you know, you don't, you don't say, Hey, you know, this is, this is my girlfriend. Then, oh, hey, you got a side piece on the side that everybody else knows about but her. It's like, come on now. You don't do that. You don't, you don't have a side piece that you're already trying to negotiate and then send that guy off. And you're sitting, the dude's sitting there like absolutely scorned, you know? Maybe think about it in a different way. But before we take that time out, before we wrap up hour number one a little bit, I want to get to the Greg the Hammer Valentine story. So this was 2018. Yeah, 2018. This is obviously pre-COVID. So they had an independent wrestling show, Action Pack Wrestling, APW. I don't know if it's... I mean, obviously with COVID, wrestling promotions across Louisiana have had to move from doing their operations largely in Louisiana, Texas, Mississippi. They've had to go to because the Wrestling Commission isn't having wrestling shows here because of COVID. Thanks a lot. I was going to say that. But when it comes right down to it, um, yeah, so Meg Grant, the Hammer Valentine, is part of the main event. It was a six-man tag with him. and It was like the house party taking on Greg the Hammer Valentine. I don't remember who else was in that, who else was in that team amongst the faces. Because before that, before that main event, we had... They had the heavyweight title match, and the title got changed hands from Babyface to the heel stable house party. And <laughs> true story, like the family of the then heavyweight champion who was defending the title almost stormed the ring. 
And that was an amazing story, amazing moment in and of itself. Like we're just sitting there like, oh my God, they literally believe this is hundred percent real. They did not know this was going to happen. This is not pre-planned. This was literally about to jump the, not jump the barricade because we're in, we're no barricades. They almost jumped the ring and attacked the person who won the title. It was literally the most insane thing ever. But I met Greg the Hammer Valentine, got a picture with him during intermission, and he just felt like he did not want to be there. And then we get to the main event, and I think he literally does one spot. It's a hot tag. It's Mustang and the Rocket. Now I'm remembering who it is. Mustang, Mike, and the Rocket. And Greg the Hammer Valentine in the main event, taking on, I think it was the Cali Heat, and I'm trying to remember who else was in the who else was in that six-man tag? I'm going to text TV's Dylan because he was there with me. It was all of us over at in White Castle. We were watching this show. And all of a sudden, he hits the finish, and it's literally, he just put his hand out and hit a clothesline. Like, there was literally, like, next to zero effort from him. And I was like, come on now. Like, really? That was the finish? Like, a clothesline. And not even a good clothesline. It was like a Stan Hansen or, or JBL Lariat. It was straight up just like, I, come on now. It, that was, again, I'm rambling about wrestling because of Ralph. I appreciate the call, Ralph. Because Greg the Hammer Valentine story, that one is amazing. I can't believe you brought him up to me live on the show. And I had to talk about Greg the Hammer Valentine for a minute because he is absolutely a trip. And probably should have retired a long, long time ago. Don't know why they put him in the ring if he wasn't going to take any bumps. And obviously, you know, at his age, taking a bump, not necessarily that great. But that was it was a fun show, though, overall. Felt like it was a really solid, like, independent show in White Castle. I think it was the last APW show I went to. I'm trying to remember if there was any more after that that I went to. No, I, I don't think so. No, no, I did go to one. It was like early the next year, I think, 2019. It was early 2019. I think it was the last show I went to in the old Rooster Pit. And that was a really fun show, too, actually. Now, I'm getting nostalgic. I, this is why we need more events again. We like COVID needs to stop what it's doing after this ice age we're in. And we need to get back to normalcy so I can have pro wrestling back in Louisiana. Like, I think that's basically what I'm saying right now. Pro wrestling back in Louisiana. And not just be talked about on the Cage Strong Style podcast, which you can listen to each and every Monday. Drops around 1 o'clock or right before Monday Night Raw. One of the two depends on how busy the schedule is on a Monday. But I also want to tell you, we want you to be part of the team at the Chittimacha Louisiana Open with our 2021 tour experience presented by Big Wheels AC and Heating and GolfBalls.com. The winner will receive a brand new Callaway Golf Epic Speed Driver, a dozen golf balls, and a spot on the 103.7 The Game Foursome in the LA Open Pro-Am on Wednesday, March 16th. Tender for a chance to win the tour experience. Simply go to 103.7 The Game's Rewards Club at 103.7thegame.com. We'll be back after this. Going to take a quick timeout, wrap up our number one in style. Maybe we'll finally get to some talk about sports in just a little bit. Octagon to the 20 by 20 squared circle and everywhere in between. The world famous CD isn't afraid of tackling any topic. 
Just don't expect him to get into the ring with anyone he offends. Finish him. Just bring it. Let's get back to Under the Dome. All right, welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. All right, I've managed to find what that main event was in the break because it, it was bugging me. So here was the main event of that of that card in White Castle, which I completely forgot about the fact that the apron was not there on the ring, which looked weird in and of itself. But it was Greg Valentine, Andrew Anderson, who was in The Wrestler, the movie, back in 2008. Which, if you haven't seen yet, go out of your way and go check it out if you're a wrestling fan. Mustang Mike, and it was David Silver, Killer Shane, and Flip Jackson, two members of the house party. Because remember, it was the house party and somebody from Cali Heat, which also featured the one and only beautiful Bobby. But <laughs> I just seeing this, I'm like, my God, this was 2018, pre-COVID. I had to kind of also look back at my... True story, I'm a person who takes pictures all the time, no matter where I'm at, be it a sporting event, wrestling show, a festival, whatever. I am the guy who takes pictures because I want to have just I want to have those memories there. Obviously, weddings, funerals, all that stuff. I keep that to the side. But it's just like I I love to take pictures because I can look back at it and be like, hey, you know, I remember when I, it just evokes all these memories. And that's what I was people bring up, like Greg the Hammer Valentine, and hell, me meeting Shane Douglas, which I might get into more. In the Cajun Strong Style Podcast, I'll try and keep the wrestling talk more in that universe, at least until WrestleMania weekend. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. But when it comes down to, down to it, there was some news that came out that absolutely just sucks again. The Raging Cages had another game that got banged, and that was their series that was supposed to be on Tuesday, doubleheader against Lamar. The Cajuns ranked 7th in the nation right now. Had to cancel another game. Got canceled. This is their, like, or postponed, I should say, because they're getting this pushed back from February 16th to Monday, April 5th times, currently TBD at this point. This is the second delay they've had. Technically, I'd say their third, because they were supposed to push back the games from, I think it was Friday, Saturday to Saturday, Sunday. I was supposed to go to that. Kind of glad I'm not, because it's damn cold outside. But... Now the Cajuns is going to be taking on UAB as part of the Green and Gold Classic February 19th through the 21st at Mary Bowers Field in Birmingham, Alabama, starting with a 12 o'clock matchup to take on the Southeastern Louisiana Lions on the 19th. So another game getting postponed. Absolutely crazy. Another big news story of the day involving one team in particular, and that is the presumptive number one pick and potential future Jacksonville Jaguar in Trevor Lawrence, he'll have labrum surgery on his shoulder and likely going to be out for about five to six months. His recovery is expected. He should be fine by the start of training camp. This is coming from Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network. We're going to take a quick time out. Be back after this on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. It's time! It's time! It's time! 
to take a walk on the wild side. Get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7, the game. Welcome back to Under the Tone with CD on Acadia and a Sports Station 1037 The Game, 1037 thegamecom Hour number two of two is officially underway. And of course, we are coming to you live from the beautiful First South Farm Credit Studios. Hear this worldwide. And appreciate you listening in, however you're doing so, be it through that old school FM dial. This is where the power lies. Or through that New school, newfangled, 1037thegame.com, the free mobile app, which you can download for iPhone and Android today. Make sure you go check that out. Or, as you heard, the smart speakers, Amazon Alexa, Google Home, my phone got triggered and told me, hey, you know, I'm going to do whatever it tells me to do. I'm like, no, we don't want you to do that, at least not yet, because, well, I'm here in studio. I don't want to keep hearing myself in an echo. My Google Home or my assistant here inside the first South Farm Credit Studios on my phone always does that. It gets triggered every single time it hears that. It's absolutely hilarious. But hopefully you have a good one so far. And appreciate you listening in to Acadiana's number one sports station on this Louisiana Saturday morning. A chilly Louisiana Saturday morning. But I mentioned it's Acadiana's number one sports station. And that must mean that i got to be the best of them all. That just cut and dried. I'm the best. Whether you like it or not, you're looking at woo, the greatest, the best looking man, the best dressed man. Long limousines, jet airplanes, custom-made clothes, and any woman in the world I want, just like that. Welcome back under the Dome with CD Hour 2 of 2. The Twin Peaks hotline is open, 337-706-0111, 337-706-0111. appreciate you, however, you're listening into the program, and hopefully you're enjoying yourself in the comfort of your own home, because I think that absolutely right now it's not how cold it is outside because I wound up going outside, obviously, to get here. And right now it is, ah, boy, 36 degrees. I was seeing something, the low on Mondays supposed to be like 14 degrees. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, this is insane to see how cold it's going to be in February of 2021. Show us what happens when you. Shut down Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras shuts down. The entire state is just going to be frozen over. Hell is frozen over. Pigs have flown. Almost like 11 years ago. Which, isn't that a friendly reminder that Facebook members are really wild? Because I was reminded 11 years ago yesterday, was I think it snowed here in like the Acadian area. So basically, all the same week, yeah, the Saints won the Super Bowl, and it snowed. It's a wild week, bottom line. But let's get back to sports in the here and now. Because I want to talk a little bit about the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, currently in the middle of a three-game losing streak on the men's side. Women's side, they are looking good right now. Ten-game win streak. But hopefully we can see Ty say get back healthy. Get well soon, Ty, because she absolutely has been a tour de force for this Cajuns program over the last several weeks since returning from their... They, they didn't have COVID. It was the other teams that had COVID, so basically they had like three weeks 
of rest in like right in the middle of the season. And since then, they've been on an absolute tear. And this is a Cajun team that's definitely dealt with a lot of injuries, and those have kind of hurt the team in a lot of different ways in past years. This was an opportunity where they actually got back into the swing of things, fully healthy, full gear, full hog, and were able to go 10 straight wins. That's never happened before with a Cajun's women's basketball program in history. And I've been somebody who's like, you know, I felt like maybe a couple years ago, Gary Broadhead's leash would be short because of the of the new regime coming in, Dr. Brian Maggard, and maybe a win-now mentality. Lo and behold, that's changed because you look at the circumstances that they've had dealing with a lot of injuries, and that affects the way games have been played, the way people have been able to put things together. I'm looking forward to seeing how that Cajuns team looks going forward without Ty say later today. But I want to get down to brass tacks when it comes to the men's team. They're absolutely like starving for a win. I'd say damn near fiending for a win because they want to be able to get something going heading into the stretch run. And you're playing a, a ULM team that just had lost 10 straight games. 10 straight. I was saying this to Ray because me and him were talking back and forth through text on Thursday night towards the end of that game. And he said, this team is playing awful. And like, this is the Cajuns team that a few years ago was doing the same damn thing when they were towards the top of the world. I think this is the 2017-18 season or maybe 2016-17. Somewhere along those lines. Had been 2016-17 because I think my friend Carly was still here in town. And we were all covering games with me, Lewis, back when he was at the, with the Vermilion. Remember that, Lewis? So... I think we were all still covering it in different ways. And I was there that night, and it was Little Rock and the Cajuns. It was a home contest, and it was senior night. And Little Rock, I think, had won two games all year at that point. I think I bring up the story every year whenever the Cajuns do what they just did and lose to a team who had three wins all year, all freaking year. You lost to that team, a bunch of jabrones, 3-10. and ten. They've lost, they had five total wins. Right now, they have five wins, so four heading into this ball game. And you lost to that team. And yes, I understand there were injuries. You had Devin Butts, a great player for this team, was suspended. But it's absolutely abhorrent to see what they just did. And I think the same kind of credence that we give. Gary Broadhead over the last couple of years dealing with injuries and stuff. That's been the story of Bob Marlin's team the last few years. And I, I, nothing but respect for Bob, but it just feels like he gets really bad breaks at the worst possible time. Like, I don't know about you. I feel like he should be having a lucky rabbit's foot around him at all times at this rate because the team falls apart at certain points or they lose a key player before conference play and the team's not the same. I've just, it's something I've observed in the past. And I'm getting a response. Lewis, and uh, it was me, Ray, Lewis, Tim, and Foot. I appreciate that. But like I said, that was an absolutely insane game where you lost to a team like that heading into the conference tournament. Because that was the last game of the year, if I'm not mistaken. So you lost that game, and you just look like garbage. That's kind of what I'm seeing right now with UL, 
in 2021. Now, yes, there's been injuries. They were ravaged by injuries in the past, and it just absolutely continues to be something where you're kind of having to deal with it. What happens next with the Cajuns? That's the million-dollar question when it comes right down to it. And just looking at their schedule, the stretch run, the last few games of the season, they aren't easy. Because the next two series you have are against Texas Arlington and Little Rock. And Little Rock is a way different team than they were when you played them a couple years ago, like I just mentioned. Because Little Rock, yes, they're 10 and 10, 6 and 7 in the conference, but I still think they can be an absolute pain in your backside. Same thing with UT Arlington. If you aren't playing, if you're playing like you have been over the last three games, you have to step your game up in a big way against these teams. Because UT Arlington is nipping at your backside to be a to be the second in the West. Second in the West. Right now, you two are competing against each other. Texas State is obviously head and shoulders above the rest, but you're competing for the numero dos seed right now. Number two. In terms of the West division, obviously, getting the double bye I think is out of the question at this point because you look at what Texas State is right now, 8-3 and three in conference play, and they have been on they've been a really good run lately. Whipping up, They whipped up on UT Arlington last night, 63-56. In fact, they've won three straight since the Cajuns beat the Bobcats in that two-game series to end the month of January. Cajuns look great in the month of January, but the month of February has started off absolutely rocky. Losing three straight to Arkansas State in two games and Jonesboro. One of those games is absolutely topsy-turvy as all get-out on Saturday where you had supposedly somebody tested positive, but turns out it was just guy had symptoms, but then tested negative. That's why they delayed the game to wait for the results. That entire night was an absolute like cluster you-know-what to keep tabs on. So the Cajuns have to win tonight to be able to kind of keep themselves in contention and really get ready for these final four games. Because it's all like LSU basketball. LSU basketball absolutely has to win a lot of these ball games down the stretch. Because you've got, I'll talk about LSU in a little bit more detail in a minute, but you've got the next four games after tonight. Auburn, Georgia, Arkansas, and Arkansas team that looks pretty good. And Vanderbilt, which is a baseball school. Let's just be real. So the next two weeks, you've got next three weeks, actually, because you don't have a game in the midweek, at least right now. Supposedly, you're going to be playing one of your two teams that you need to make up on Wednesday. Haven't seen anything official yet on that end, but it feels like more likely than not that's going to be the case. But they'll be playing on Saturday against Auburn. Then they play the next Tuesday on the 23rd against Georgia. Then you play Arkansas at 1 on the February 27th, and you start the month of March taking on Vanderbilt. And of course, if everything goes according to plan, should, but crazier things have happened. If you can try and go maybe, I'd say the way this team has played as of late, I feel like if they play like they did a couple Saturdays ago in the SEC Big 12 Challenge and they play a full 40 minutes, they can beat Tennessee. I think they have a 
opportunity to do so because Darius Days is back and he looks to be fully back. But you've got to put together the game of your life to beat that Tennessee team. Because if you do, that really sets you up in some high cotton at this point to where you could potentially be, I'd say, after that, and you wind up taking down some teams you're supposed to, like a Georgia team who's 5-7 and seven in the conference, I think there could be an edge to where you could very well go. If you win else, if you win against Tennessee, that's a Q1 win, no matter how you slice or dice it. Then your next four games, you got Auburn. Auburn's been a pretty good team in the past, and Auburn, you know, I just had the standings up. Auburn, yeah, they're they're five and seven overall this year. They're, they're a little bit on a downturn, but I feel like you could st- you could still slip up to that team. They are a team that has a potential to trip you up. Then you play Arkansas, seven who's same record as you right here right now, and then you take on little old Georgia and Vanderbilt, who is obviously like like their football team at the bottom of the barrel. So you have a chance to really make some hay, but this is the most important game you have on your schedule this year. Bottom line. That's the most important game you have in your schedule over the next five games. Win this one, and you control your own fate to be a two or three seed in the uh, maybe a three or four seed in the SEC West or in the SEC tournament when that comes up. And that would be massive because then you'd probably just need one win and you're in. At this point, we don't want to talk about the whole situation trying to get into the SEC tournament. And we need to just talk about the NCAA tournament. We need to focus on getting you a decent enough seed in the SEC tournament to where the series doesn't look as great. But if you want to talk about that or anything else, the Twin Peaks hotline is open 706-0111. Back after this on Acadiana Sports Station 1037 The Game, 1037thegame.com. don't lie because when you listen to under the dome with cd your knowledge of sports increases by 141 and two-thirds percent and they spell disaster for you and sacrifice now let's get back to the genetic freak of sports talk on acadiana's sports station 1037 the game it's true you do listen to this show your sports knowledge does go up by 141 and two-thirds percent Appreciate you listening in on 1037 The Game at 1037thegame.com or the free mobile app, Amazon Alexa, smart speakers, however you're doing so. And the Twin Peaks hotline is open, 706-0111. And the phone lines are wide open. Talk about anything, talk about whatever. Because i got plenty of time. I, got, I, I, I feel like Jim Rome. i got takes for days, but I don't mind taking your phone calls. And now we go out to the Twin Peaks hotline. Hello, you're on Under the Dome. Hey, Clint. Um, I'm just wondering, like, you talk about LSU basketball, I mean, I don't know if I should be – I don't know, because it seems like LSU basketball has come an incredibly long way in the past couple of years. Because I remember years back thinking, SEC tournament, huh, never going to make it. And now we're talking about being like a three or four seed on a regular basis. Now, is that like – I mean, am I off base there? No, you no, know no. what I'm no, trying no. to say? No, I get where you're coming from. and I think when it comes to LSU basketball, they've come a long way. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that the culture had changed. And, yes, I think – well, Wade, there, there's some skee- there's some skeevy stuff about what was what's going on behind closed doors, but that's neither here nor there when it comes to this conversation about LSU's improvement. 
I think just the culture, right. it's so, it's a winning culture now versus what it was a few years ago when Johnny, especially after Johnny Jones, like. Oh, that was a the, joke. Yeah. No, it was, it was a joke, but there was, there was so much potential with that. But after the, in, after they lost to NC State the way that they did in the NCAA tournament a couple of years ago, and after the Ben right. Simmons year where Ben Simmons largely checked out after, like, let's say halfway through oh, the yeah. season. He was, just, he, was just, he was just going for the lottery. That was it. Yeah. Exactly. He was there for his one year. And that was it, which is really a big reason why I'm not a fan of the fact you have to do the one and done stuff. I feel like you could, they should just go back to the way things were when LeBron came out. Because if you're that good enough to come out of high school to be a lottery pick, you're probably good enough to where it's like you don't have to play college basketball. You could probably do well enough to play in the league. I mean, all right, that makes sense. But when, it, but with LSU, because I can think that after Ben Simmons left, that team gave up. That team absolutely fell apart because you didn't have a true leader. Once Will Wade came in, he developed this program from the ground up and really reestablished things and and re- revamped the lineup. I think that's something that we've seen it in the past. And the way he's recruited, yes, the recruiting stuff is a different conversation, but he's definitely gotten guys that are bought into getting it done. Yes, there are some games where they just fall apart. I think sometimes they're playing markedly better teams. I mean, Alabama may be the best basketball team they've ever had, and it's amazing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I'm hoping LSU in 2021, the way they way they played against Texas Tech a few weeks ago, they played the entire 40 minutes instead of 39 and five seconds. They could actually probably win this one and win it by I'd say seven or eight points. Right. I mean, I, I thought the phantom air ball luck that the guy throws up an air ball misses it and McClung goes bombs a three in the corner was like yeah. that was like the dagger in the heart right there. But I mean, one more thing I want to say about basketball. I mean. Will Wade normally squeezes everything he can out of these teams. Now, are they underachieving this year? Yeah, but I mean, is that also a benefit of them only playing maybe six or seven guys a game? I mean, are there maybe one or two players that play like bench, solid bench players away? Because after Andre Hyatt, the drop off yeah. must be just catastrophic. I, that's an interesting question. I don't know a whole lot about the bench, but you bring up underachieving. Now, let's just kind of quantify this. Would you consider twelve and six in any year underachieving and being seven and four in SEC play? Well, okay, uh, no, but with the amount of talent that they do have, I would have I would have thought they would have been I don't know fourteen, fourteen and four at this point. I mean, twelve and six, I'll take it. But how many games like should they have won? That's that's always the question, but that happens in sports always. Yeah, you know, it always happens in sports. And when it comes, I think whenever you just look at LSU, like I feel like they, there's only like a handful of games I think they could say that they should have won. They should have. I think it's Kentucky and it's Texas Tech. That's about it for me. I think that's those are the two games. Well, St. Louis. St. Louis is a. I don't. I think St. Louis. It's a game where you know you've realized that the team's probably a little bit better. Than like because the name recognition, they're a little bit better than I feel like people give them credit for. Yes, it's a smaller A ten conference, but I feel like I mean that's a nine and three program that's played a little bit of a shortened season, but they're towards the top in the they're 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 in there in the A ten conversation. I feel like they they could be they're they're a little bit better. I feel like, but at the end of the day, you were blown out of the gym in that contest. I think just maybe also the I think was just so much going on with that. But Kentucky is a game you should have been able to win because Kentucky has absolutely right. sucked Kentucky, this year. Yeah, yeah. And Texas Tech, yeah, Kentucky, you, definitely. And Texas Tech is a game you should have won if not for the last like fifty-five seconds of that ball game. Right. 
Right, I understand. No, but Clint, listen, man, I love your show, and I've enjoyed the conversation, man. Hey, go, I appreciate it. Go Tigers, go, go Cajuns, take it, man. I, mm-hmm. I appreciate it, brother. Don't be a stranger, man. I want to have more of these kind of conversations because I don't mind having some fun talking basketball, baseball, football, whatever, because, you know, I'm trying to, like, have a little bit less of a guest-heavy show because back when Under the Dome started, it was definitely a lot of guest-heavy. I'm going to try and lighten it up a little bit, mainly because, like, a couple years ago, when this show used to be from 10 a.m. to noon, I'd get on my guy Greg Peterson, talk about some college basketball, look at the odds and everything in between. But well, the fact my show starts at 11 and most college basketball games start around that time, it's kind of kind of difficult to be able to pull that off. Even pre-taping it, I'm like, yeah, I'm just, I just, I didn't feel like doing it. Maybe down the road we can bring him on. Eric Lopez, the guy I'd have on every single year to talk. College softball, I'm kind of punting on that because college softball, it's weird this year. And the Cajuns aren't playing again until next weekend now. It's like, come on now. This damn like cold weather. And again, this is all cold weather. It's not COVID related. It's all cold weather. Just ruining all the fun. And that's what's making me kind of like a sad panda, if you will. But with the LSU game today, two and a half point dogs are LSU, which I'm not that surprised about. Again, it's looking at what Tennessee has done they are a very good team. I'm not saying that, but it's LSU. But LSU has to defend the three a little bit better. I understand that the defense is not played anymore in basketball. That's basically where we're at in this in the sport. Look at the Pelicans. You saw Luka Doncic put up godlike numbers, and Kristaps Porzingis looked like a man on fire from three-point range. I believe he had like eight or nine threes made. Almost, and it's like, and then those guys absolutely just tore it up on the hardwood. Like I would hate to see what other teams could do against the Pelicans. Like every time you play him, you break a record. That's just it's not conducive. And I know we hear it ad nauseum from David Griffin about how he wants to play defense and play defense. I'm sorry, but defense has gone out the window in the modern game of basketball. And I just sit here every time I watch the Pelicans or somewhere along those lines, especially in the NBA. My God, the NBA is a joke compared to what it was, I'd say, like 10, 15 years ago. And this may may be old man talking. Yeah, I'm 31, almost 32, which doesn't make me that old. But I'm sitting here, and I'm wondering, like, where did this sport go? And then last night, I saw this clip, and I'm sure you've seen it as well, from LeBron James during the during last night's primetime matchup, and he outright just straight up flops, like probably the worst acting job I've ever seen since Tom Green's movies, period. He absolutely just stunk up the joint, and I was sitting there watching the play. I'm like, this is why I can't take seriously the Jordan-LeBron debate. And somebody brought up to me on Twitter. Go ahead and try and pull this one out. So, no, I don't want to pull my video promoting the show, which you can check out on Facebook and Twitter on 103.7 The Games Facebook and Twitter page. But somebody brought, there's a debate. LeBron barely squeaks in the top five of all time. I mean, that person's apparently been living under a rock, first of all. But there's always been a debate about 
Jordan or LeBron. To me, there's been no debate. And again, this is coming from a guy that grew up watching more the MJ era of basketball. I remember when LeBron came out, and I remember seeing how much hype there was around him and seeing the way they played. It's just seeing the way the NBA is versus what it was back in the day. It just feels like the defense is not there. And that is just disappointing. And we see moments like that where LeBron James is flopping on national television. It, it frustrates me as a guy who really liked basketball back in the day. And I think, you know, to a certain extent, you don't see the Detroit Piston bad boys era defense anymore. I mean, you, you can't play that in this modern era. That's really where my problems lie with the NBA and the future of it. And I have the fact that you've got everything is about the LeBron James situation. But to me, I feel like also the NBA has just changed so much. And a lot of it has to do with, you know, street ball because Allen Iverson definitely changed the game a lot with the way he adapted and the crossovers and all that stuff to where, like, Michael Jordan couldn't keep up. Mind you, this is old Michael versus, like, prime Michael. And then you also have the fact that the Euro stuff, the international game, has changed the NBA entirely to where traveling isn't necessarily, like, as it's not really enforced anymore. And that's the way the league is. It's like, that's why I'm like, I'll watch the NBA. I'll enjoy the occasional game or two. But it's not like a football or baseball. Again, that might be more because of the fact that I grew up being more of a baseball fan. Me and Penn talked about it yesterday. First love was probably baseball. I just not necessarily 100% saying, like, I think the NBA's defensive performances are very questionable. I feel like when you, because it just feels like nobody plays defense anymore. I see games go up to, like, hundreds of points. Like I, I think last night's Pelicans game, I have to look it up because I didn't, have, I don't have it like readily available in memory bank. 143-130. 143-130. And it's coming from a team that's been putting an emphasis on defense. Stan Van Gundy every game is like, we want to play better defense. want to play de- better defense. Look at the points you've allowed in the last few games. 143, 129, 101, 109, 113, 101. 118, 126, 131, oh, excuse me, 126. You've allowed damn near 100 points a game every single game outside of early on in the year when you allowed 111, 95, 86, and 80 against the Oklahoma City Thunder. After the new year, every single game has been one to go into triple digits for both teams outside of you losing to the Lakers 112-95. That speaks to how what I'm talking about. That the NBA, in terms of defensive performances, underwhelming. And that's what's missing from the sport. That's all I'm going to say on that. Take a quick timeout. Be back after this. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD on Acadia on a sports station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7 The Game.com.
CD may be considered world famous, but he still goes out and eats a shrimp po' boy just like the rest of us. Just don't talk to him while he's eating. Lay off me, I'm starving. Now back to Under the Dome on 103.7 The Game, Acadiana's sports station. All right, now, you know, the Twin Peaks hotline is open, 337-706-0111 here on Under the Dome with CD. But... I want to get to some other stuff right now because obviously I talked a lot about some college basketball, a little more than I thought I was going to, but, you know, things happen. I want to update something real quick before we get we get more into what I want to talk about. And there's an update about what I was talking about with Trevor Lawrence. Don't forget, Trevor Lawrence is a righty, so it should be noted on that end that the labrum surgery will be on his left shoulder, not his throwing so- shoulder, so that's a step in the right direction, but still, hopefully, he has a good recovery and the estimated recovery is five to six months. But should be ready to go for training camp. So it seems like you know him being the number one pick is ready to go. At least this is the way it looks like right here and right now. But now I want to get into some talk about the UFC. Because UFC 258 is tonight and I cannot wait for it. Because it looks to be a really good card. Not necessarily as great as UFC 257's card, but still pretty damn good on the whole. Especially when you look at some of the odds on this. And again, I love looking at the odds for some of these things. For instance, let me go ahead and pull up the UFC 258 card. Because it's the main event's uh, Kamaru Usman versus Gilbert Burns. Obviously, that's your main event for the welterweight championship of the world. That is going to be a really good one, by the way. And according to the odds, over-under on this for rounds is 4.5, and and the fight goes distance is the favorite for yes at minus 138. That's crazy. Because I think this one could be a knockout, like I'd say, like second round, second or third round. Because I would be surprised these two guys are absolutely just throwing haymakers throughout. I wouldn't be surprised. Outside of that, you got... Kevin Gastelum in a middleweight fight, I think he's got a chance to move up in those rankings and maybe contend for a title fight down the road. But it's a really fun UFC 258 card. On Valentine's weekend, right after, I'd say, under underwhelming UFC fight night last Saturday with Alistair Overeem getting demolished by Alexander Volkov in about two minutes in the second round. But you also had a really awesome fight with Frankie Edgar getting KO with a flying knee by Corey Sandhagen. A breakout performance from him. It was basically like, if you've ever seen Kenny Omega matches in AEW or something, it's the V-Trigger. He just basically hit him with a flying knee, and it was nuts. But at the same time, it was awesome. Hopefully, we can see a really good like fight night tonight at UFC 258. That's seen a little bit of changes, but another thing that was interesting that I saw pop up last night into this morning was news about John Jones. And it's crazy that John Jones again, I'll say this. John Jones continues to be the guy that gets those like second chances. He's got about 20 of them. And then we were at John Jones is probably one of the, a, a great, Fighter, period. 
But I don't understand why he is going to have immediately he gets thrown into a heavyweight title fight. Because apparently Dana White said that Jones will fight the winner of the Stipe Francis Ngannou fight. That's going to happen later this year. The fight is going to be taking place on March 27th. And reportedly, Jones will be facing him off next, presumably I'd say after August. I'm not a fan of it. Like, I think John Jones, yes, he's 26-1, and one of the greatest fighters of all time, but man, it feels like he is the definition of given umpteen chances because Dana White just continues to put him over. And I think he's a damn good fighter, but as a person, he's a scumbag. He's a bag to the nth degree. But some other stuff that Dana White has talked about is, you know, Khabib Nurmagomedov, that whole situation, because Dustin the Diamond Poirier, what's going to happen with him next? Because that's where it needs to be. Like, if Khabib doesn't want to fight again, that's fine. Vacate the title and have a tournament. Because so help me God, if I see Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier in a trilogy at the end of the year, I'm going to be absolutely just disgusted with this because... We don't need to see a trilogy of this in 2021. 2022, maybe 2023, you know, if both these guys are still in their prime. But at the end of the day, I do not need to see a rematch of McGregor Poirier within a year's span. It'd be a horrible marketing tactic. I'd much rather see it at the beginning of next year, if I'm being honest. Treat it like you did the Stipe DC fight. Have it take place a year apart. Because that makes things a lot more interesting. And you have the trilogy fight. Make it have it for the title because more likely than not Poirier could win in a like vacant title where it's the number one, number two contender. Because I think Poirier definitely deserves to be the number one contender right here, right now. He, to me, absolutely deserves it. I'll go ahead and pull up the lightweight rankings right now because that's is that looked at it since UFC two hundred fifty seven. And right now it's Poirier and Gate Poirier, Gaethje, Charles Oliveira, and Michael Chandler. One through four. Conor McGregor is literally sitting at six behind Tony Ferguson. He's out of the conversation. Boom, not a factor. If Khabib and Rogamadoff retires, then give me Poirier, Gaethje in a main event somewhere down the road. If you don't do a four man tournament, this would be the one I'd want. This is the money this is the money game. I think you'd put this fight somewhere in the vicinity. I'm not saying you put it on as a main event match during International Fight Week, but I think you put something close to it, maybe relatively close to it, like a big fight night or something. I don't think this is a UFC, a UFC main event match, but I th- for like International Fight Week, because I think it's the next possible opportunity for Poirier to fight, because I think he's going to take some extended time off and maybe come back in the summer. At least it's just my perspective. I don't know him personally. I don't know if he would do that. But I think that would be the best case for him and his future and be able to have a bigger platform to be able to have the lightweight title match. Because I think there's some other stuff. Again, who knows if, you know, because I think if this were Dana, the John Jones winner fight 
that he that I was just talking about, that will happen more likely than not then and there. But I'm intrigued by this UFC main event. Usman Burns, especially the way the odds have gone, it's crazy, you know, to think that Usman Burns expect to go the dis- distance, like I was saying, but I'm still going to want to checking it out. I've got Usman winning this match because I think I think Burns is a little bit outmatched, especially when it comes to some some of his ground game. Because Burns absolutely has the ability to withstand strikes because Usman's got some good hits and Burns is a little more powerful. But I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen there. And you know, I saw Dustin. I'm kind of rambling here because I feel like there's a lot of things I can get to about the UFC. But it was on David Mahoney the other day, which is on our sister station 106.3 Radio Live yet. And he talked about moving up in weight class to take on Diaz because there's a lot of trash talk between the two. Honestly, if that happens, that's going to be like a next year fight. Because I think Poirier would much rather take some time to move up in that weight class and move up to where he'd be comfortable flipping over to that side of things because once you add on a few extra pounds or so, your the way you fight changes a little bit. And moving up in weight class to take on Nate Diaz and having to do that in a few months, I don't think his body's going to be ready for it. Because I mean, cutting weight and gaining weight for fights, it changes that, that fight prep in an entirely different way. If we see it, I'd probably give my early money on Dustin. Because Poirier has absolutely been a guy that's turn himself around after that early loss to McGregor. I think when we saw him after the Khabib fight, he is a different. He's a man possessed, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he's going to bring to the table the rest of the year for the UFC whenever that he does get back into the octagon. But still, Usman Burns tonight going to be a lot of fun. Going to keep tabs on that this weekend. I hope it's as good as hyped. I'm just, at least that's what I hope. We're going to take a quick timeout, be back, one final take, and then we send you to LSU basketball, taking on those Tennessee volunteers. We got that coming your way in just a little bit. Until then, we'll be back. Just before we close up shop here on 1037 The Game, the famous CD is looking to fire off one more take before dropping the mic. Is it going to be a hot one, or is it going to be one he'd like to take back six months down the road? Let's listen in and find out. The final take for today's show is, you know, I miss Mardi Gras. I think we all do. But luckily... One thing has remained in the midst of a year where there's no parades. New Orleans is literally not being able to sell alcohol until Wednesday, which is insane. That's a different conversation for a different day. Probably a different station or a different podcast, something else. But seeing that was absolutely nuts the other day. But thankfully, king cakes have remained. And my final take for the show is that king cakes are the absolute best thing for like a dessert. I think king cakes are undisputed and I wish king cakes were around all year because I'd probably be smiling all day long and absolutely just devouring one probably every 
other week. Because I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't be able to have it every single day, every single week. But every couple weeks or so, if it was around year round, absolutely all for it. Again, I love food. Usually, one final take always revolves around food. The king cake is pretty fire, TBH. And knowing the fact that was the one thing that remained, and I was able to have some a couple weeks ago. Because again, I, I think I mentioned this here or somewhere else, but the fact that you know, like. King cakes are back, and when you had that first piece of king cake during Mardi Gras season, it hits on a different level because you you, just, you get back in those feelings right then and there about how much you love king cake, how much you love the Mardi Gras season, the Carnival season. Is Mardi Gras not my like all time favorite holiday? Pretty close, and I think once you have a bite of that king cake, you get into that seasonal mood. And trust me, I've absolutely felt it. But that's my final take of the show. Before I get out of here, though, I want to tell you about the Ford Bronco Raffle. Because, well, why not enter in for a chance to win a new Ford Bronco? All you got to do is spend $20 to buy a raffle ticket today to win one of the hottest vehicles on the market at broncoraffle.com. Ticket sales benefit nonprofit Catholic Radio and the drawing will be held on May 15th, but tickets are limited. Once again, you can buy your tickets at broncoraffle.com or at Hub City Ford and the Delta Media Studios. So buy your raffle ticket today. We're running out. But make sure you buy you buy your raffle ticket for a chance to win a brand-new 2021 Ford Bronco presented by the good folks at Hub City Ford. And it benefits a great cause like nonprofit Catholic Radio. We've got LSU basketball coming up in just a few. Looking to keep the win winning going after winning on Wednesday night against Mississippi State in a pretty dynamite matchup, I'd say. And we get to see LSU... Try and get back on the win column, make it two straight, heading into their final four games where I'd say, honestly, they have a chance to probably go three and one. You do that, you set yourself up for some really good things in the not-too-distant future, and then they, we can start talking about the NCAA tournament. Because I think if they can be a team that gets a bye, they're the one of the top four seeds in the SEC conference. Once the tournament starts, probably have to win maybe one game. And you are all but guaranteed an at-large bid, right? At least that's how I see it. Maybe you have a different opinion of things. If you do, more power to you. But I'm about to get out of here. I'll be back with you next Tuesday. Next Saturday, actually. What am I talking about? Next Tuesday. It's Saturday. I'll be back with you next Saturday with another edition of Under the Dome with CD. Going to be tons of fun, especially since college baseball will be back in our lives officially next Friday. I'm talking about the LSU, LSU game, though when the season gets Air Force, LSU basketball play at like 3 o'clock instead of right up against my show. So I'm looking forward to that. And more importantly, I'm looking forward to the fact we'll have LSU baseball right after that. We've got, we got tons of stuff coming up on Acadiana Sports Station, including that LSU basketball game. And the LSU women's basketball is going to be tomorrow, pregame 10.30, tip-off 11. So all weekend long, we got you covered. So just keep it locked right here on Acadiana Sports Station. Until then, that's about it for me. See ya. Hey, Clavis! Wake up! The show's over. Oh, yeah! Kick it!